0: Did you know, at one time, Florida had more registered personal vehicles than adult residents? Google says that is no longer true. I am prepared to happily welcome our winter residents and with them the increased traffic. With that welcome, I will add 10 minutes to any drive, drive, ensuring that I am not in a rush. When I lived in Sarasota, I knew to be mindful of cars with out-of-state license tags because different parts of the country have different unspoken ways of driving, different courtesies, different timing at turns. Is the speed limit really followed or must I go faster? These are community standards of which to be mindful in order to avoid a fender bender on South Trail. Now I found out about condo cars, which people keep here so they don't have to make the long drive south. The out-of-state drivers are now cloaked to me. It's a new twist. For the man in Mark's gospel, it wasn't the sense of community standards or the Ten Commandments, but a lack of understanding of their meaning that led him into a full-on crash with the truth and the crushing consequences of his choices. The story begins when the man asks Jesus a very fundamental question, one central to the New Testament. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In his eagerness, the man runs up to Jesus and kneels before him, expecting a very favorable answer. After all, for his entire life, he followed all of the commandments. Being an overachiever, he even followed one not written, but important to the Jewish community. You shall not defraud. This unwritten commandment was in deference to the poor since much wealth in this economy was acquired by the defrauding the less powerful. The wealthy man knew the community expectations. Clearly, the man was upright, honest, and lived a moral life. He possessed goodness. In Jesus' time, wealth was not necessarily a negative attribute. After all, Jesus was supported by women of means, Mary Magdalene being one. The Old Testament teaches that God rewards those who love the Lord and follow the law. Wealth was a sign of divine favor in the days of Abraham and is also a blessing or reward for obedience under Mosaic law. And upholding the covenant with God. But Jesus looks at the man with great knowing and a look of scrutiny, much like that family member who knows you best and can call you out. Jesus loves him in the highest way possible. Mark uses the word agapan, the word meaning love worthy of God. Clearly, Jesus admires him and could see how this man's life could be so much better than it was. Jesus said, you lack one thing for an abundant life that God wants for you, which of course were not his material possessions nor his exemplary style of right living. The man lacked an understanding that the purpose of his life was to know God. He approached Jesus with enthusiasm, having checked off all those appropriate boxes. He wasn't so much arrogant as, he was, as lacking self-reflection. The wealthy man leaves the encounter crushed, choosing to place his trust in the temporary security of wealth, not in the knowledge and love of the everlasting God. Jesus said, drop it all and follow me. The Twelve did that. Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Matthew. All the apostles left everything. The cost of being a disciple of Christ is to give up what you are, what you have. Take a journey with Jesus and become a new creation, knowing and loving God for eternity. For the wealthy man, Jesus' words, Come, follow me, are too difficult because they come with a price that the man cannot bear, even for treasure in heaven, eternal life. Jesus even tells him that. He just can't do it. The stumbling block for him was his fear of losing everything, but that's the point. He could not lose everything, but he would simply be casting off life's encumbrances. Instead, the man would be following Jesus with life abundant. And purposeful in the knowledge of God. I'm sure this has been said before, but I heard it from my father first, at a time when I owned a lot of things. The more things you own, the more they own you. Dad was right. The wealthy man would trade a life of ownership by the world, and and the life lived to uprightness, that is a good thing, but he would be trading it for a life free from the constraints of his heart. Jesus is the substitution for all of his possessions and the fulfillment of the law. It's the reason. One of the lovely things about our Book of Common Prayer is that it's full of Scripture. One place in the BCP is what we call the comfortable words found in Rite 1, If you're curious, they're on page 322 in your Book of Common Prayer. One is the writing from Matthew, which we read for the Feast of St. Francis. We did this last week. I think this is a good summary and wise words for this wealthy man. Come to me, all you that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. That is what's written in the prayer book. But the passage doesn't end there. It continues. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many saints, and apparently this wealthy man, are called to a life of poverty, living in the richness of God. Although Jesus seems to favor the poor, poverty is not an ideal that Jesus is teaching. Jesus is saying that our most profound human yearning is to know God. Jesus continually challenges us to examine those things in our lives that keep us from following him, or at least keep him at arm's length. He asks us what we lack right now that keeps us from heavenly, earth, and from heavenly treasure on earth. There's no need to walk away in shock or grief. By deciding each day to give up things that we really don't need, bad habits that do not serve us, or beliefs about our world that no longer serve our community, so that we can follow Jesus, we allow ourselves to know God and carry his easy burden, not the one of our own making.